But I love that idea. That's yeah. brilliant. Big behemoths like the Royal Mail and things like that. Mm. NHS. Cobots and robots and digital twins. Sorry, cobots. Cobots, which is what he's talking about there, having something that assists the human. Yeah. TikTok. TikTok. You inundate me with TikTok. Oh my days. It is, it's as much as you look at some of our vendors. They're not based in London, they're not based in Manchester or Leeds or yeah, Birmingham, yeah. they're based on yeah. mainland Europe. But order and it has to go to a certain department, then goes to another department, then someone else has to approve it, and then it goes somewhere else to approve. You're thinking, hang on, it should have taken two weeks to approve something. So obviously we know that the main companies that, that do it really well, I mean, the, the Monzo banks are, are flying because of it, it's really good. Amazon's flying because they've got it nailed, but the other legacy companies are just, yeah, falling by the wayside. The next five, 10 years, you know, from a, an economic perspective, are going to be pretty tough. I'm Steve Motley. Today, I've had a really good conversation with Neil and John. We've been talking about what the next 10 years looks like in terms of work. And we talked about a few things that, that could happen. Could there be a day in the not distant future where we all have our own personal virtual assistant in the form of a robot? Or could we be working with a global network of people that we pick up and put down as and when we need them and we then rate them based on their capability and attitude? Or are we going to burn ourselves out over the next 10 years? Because we're always on these things. We're always connected to work one way or another. And actually, what, what can we do to stop that happening? So I hope you enjoy what I've got to say. I hope you learn a lot and welcome to tomorrow's workplace today. Right, so what have you got for us, Steve? today, what I've got for you is I, you know, I like my gardener. I read a lot about gardener. Yeah. I was, I was reading an article the other day. So six ways the workplace will change in the next 10 years. Right. So, I thought I would give you some of the, well, I'll talk through the six. Okay. I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on whether you're, whether you're seeing that happening today or not in your experience. Yep. Is, that, is that fair? Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, so number one, we working will eliminate middle management. I feel like I'm going to... What, as in Nintendo Wii? No, we... <laughs> let me explain it. I'm going to have oh. to explain this, aren't yeah. I? Yeah. So... If, if, I, if I summarise what they're saying, it's less traditional hierarchy. Okay. It's more small, autonomous, cross-functional teams working together to solve business problems and achieve outcomes. Okay. So we're, we working, working together as small cross-functional teams. Okay. What do you reckon? Is that, is that, are you seeing that? You're out talking to businesses every day is that is that the sort of thing that you're seeing or not not yet not yet not 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 on the people i'm talking to and the you know the customers that I have i'm not seeing it i mean we're getting close to that aren't we mm. ourselves yeah um I thought if you'd pick up on that good yeah. take um, well done thank you um you know i have i have noticed that's what's going on uh i'm not quite as stupid as i look um <laughs> but uh i I think going forward, you know, you, you look at um, one of my favourite things like sport. You have, you know, you have special teams, don't you? Mm. You, you have all these, di you know, different people come in to make 
build the collective to deliver the end result. And that, ultimately, that's what we're looking at, isn't it? Yeah. A, a small team that has all the different skill sets that you need yeah. to deliver the end re desired result. Um, and yeah, like I said, we're, we're moving in that direction. Um, but as yet, I haven't massively seen it, okay. being honest. So just to explain that to the listeners then, who aren't familiar with us. So we, we work in scrum teams, small cross-functional teams that work on projects to deliver them end-to-end. -end. So that's what that's what John's referring to. But potentially we're an anomaly then. So same question to you then, Neil. Are you seeing similar stuff or not? I guess the only context I've got is I've spoken to a couple of businesses that have been acquired by big PLCs mm. and some of them have been sort of absorbed and systems and processes have been enforced upon them. Others have been kind of left to learn to be a bit more autonomous to operate as a small sort of business unit if they're profitable or not. Uh, and then the, the PLC or the, the organization above them is kind of trying to facilitate certain things and, and give them systems and processes if it's going to benefit or not. Although um, the feedback that I've got off a couple of them is that they've gone down this particular route of, of trying to yeah, the whole shared service thing or something like that. And it's not particularly worked very well. Or their uh, their analogy was it was a bit horrendous and it was a bit of a car crash because the little nuances and the little different ways of working, like different normal codes for different suppliers and all that type of stuff. But you're right. I think that's the only thing I've seen so far. It's more through acquisition in terms of growth and the fact that they've <coughs> been left to run as their own small sort of business unit. But you're right. I, I think <clears throat> in terms of getting rid of... Talk about that sort of middle management layer, don't they? They sort of seem to be that, that hierarchical structure. Yeah. If you can actually have, yeah, more functional teams that'll actually be more effective as opposed to managing to a manager to a manager to another manager, and it keeps yeah. layering it up. Um, I think see how that can work. I think that's the that's an important point, isn't it? If 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 that does happen, I think it is happening. I think it will happen more and more. I think the way that the job of a middle manager changes significantly from 10 20 years ago because yeah. what what's the role of a middle manager if you if you got rid of that traditional hierarchy and you're more small autonomous pods of people working together to achieve an outcome what what's what's that mean to a middle manager yeah the benefits are huge aren't they yeah the, the efficiencies that in any area of it technology be it in whatever you know whatever walk of business or, or life <clears throat> having that Having, like you said, the small pods, those those teams that actually are just going to deliver value rather than, you know, you only got to look at big behemoths like the Royal Mail and things like that, mm. NHS. They don't mind a tiered tiered level of, um, you know, of management and we all experience how inefficient and, you know, sort of ungainly that, that becomes, mm. you know, it's... Um, the Royal Mail, I think, was it the Royal Mail? I think it was the Royal Mail that sort of announced that they were taking tiers of management out. You can only think that they're moving to having that more direct, yeah. focused approach to delivering end results. I've seen it from a supply chain perspective. Even things like when you place an order and it has to go to a certain department, then goes mm. to another department, then someone else has to approve it, and then it goes somewhere else to approve. And you're thinking, hang on, <laughs> it's just taken two weeks to approve something. And it's, yeah. It, it, the idea, hopefully, is to sort of yeah try and streamline it and just try and speed the process and, and ultimately get to that uh, desired outcome faster. Yeah, it's about removing waste, isn't it? When you've got 
yeah. a process which involves multiple teams and there's handoffs between multiple teams. There's there's often a waiting time in between and stuff falls through the gaps. So yeah. if you remove the handoff, if you create these little pods that can work together and deliver something end to end, you don't have that handoff, you don't have the waiting time and you don't have stuff falling between the gaps. So, so on that, Steve, then, <clears throat> obviously, you, you know, when you introduced Agile and the... You know the agile methodology to us, and you know working in scrums and things like that. So, do you see that becoming more prominent and prevalent in not just delivering solutions, but in just the way businesses? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think organizations work. You know, Scrum started with software twenty years ago, but I think we've already seen outside of the world of IT, agile and Scrum being used in different you know, different areas. Marketing, for example, it's used quite commonly now. Uh, and yeah, anywhere where you've got an end-to-end process, where you've got handoffs between multiple teams, I would I would encourage every business to look at: can you bring that together into one autonomous team and give them give them ownership of that process? It's a bit like I'm <clears throat> stepping away from technology here, but it's a bit like you know the move in construction to to modular building mm. and sort of having those teams that are building a a pod, yeah. and then having a plumber to come in and put the you know, first fix in, and plumber to put uh, sorry, an, an electrician to come in and do first fix of, and and ultimately that's is then going to be able to you know in the next decade you you think where things could be quite interesting. <clears throat> it it brings that that efficiency and that <clears throat> speed to say do you know what we've got this plot of land in the centre of London just as an argu- you know for argument's sake. And we're just going to lorry down mm. all these different, you know. So when, you know, in, in the area that we're in, it's it, modular buildings quite, you know, prominent. Um, and they're doing lots of things in the public sector. And they're being able to say, you know, we're not going to disrupt your you know, hospital landscape or your estate. We'll just be able to go, right, here's our, here's our sort of canvas, for want yeah. of a better description. And we're just going to build up and it will be, you know, really really quite quick and you know one of my actually thinking about it and, and talking aloud one of my clients has <clears throat> has a has a thing where they're helping modular building companies with you know basically meaning you don't necessarily have to have loads and loads of electricians on on site apologies to any electricians listening not many probably i think they're busy enough but yeah yeah i think so um, it is where it can be it's plug and play so yeah. you know they're yeah building things and, and and that's you know so that's in construction we were talking about technology i i guess it's going to be yeah does it say in the report which sectors it's going to be does it give a bit of an insight on it i think it talks about all sectors i think it's it's it kind of talks about large organizations big projects difficult to get them landed yeah. yeah looking at turning it on its head and and moving away from that traditional structure. So no, no particular sectors. I think construction is a really interesting one. I think we're going to see a massive change, already are seeing a massive change in that sector, based on those kind of lean principles that we work to, which is leading to stuff like modular building, where you, you're bringing that to site on a just-in-time basis, that you're assembling it, and you're yeah. off-site quickly. I think that's, yeah. a, that's a game-changer. Yeah. Okay, uh, right, what's the next one? Uh, I'm lost. Here we go. So, constant upskilling and digital dexterity will outweigh tenure and experience. So, the youth is taking over, unfortunately. Yeah, thanks. JV. <laughs> I'll get my think... coat. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if I, if I summarize, we're no longer putting as much kind of weight on 
10, 15 years experience in the business and they're the go-to. Actually, it's more, can people keep up to date with technology and with digital skills and adapt and evolve? That That's more valuable in a workplace. Well, Have exactly. Uh, well, um, I was going to just speak personally. It's like, well, you know, bedtime reading just to just to stay in the job, just to you know keep keep you know because technology is moving so so fast, and you know trying to keep up with you know with the trends in in the technology, but also in in what people are wanting to do to you know to progress um, not only their career but in how how things operate. Um, am I seeing that? Pro- yes, probably actually. Um, certainly, a, a lot of the businesses that I'm talking to, you know, you would, you know, not being ageist, even though I'm, you know, you're seeing a, a lot younger sort of, uh, you know, employee, you know, roster, if you like, and mm. the people that you're talking to, they're, you know, extremely knowledgeable and, you know, they're <clears throat> not, they're challenging your, your kind of, you know, your reasons as to why that's a good solution and that's going to do it this way. And it's like, well, why is that? And, you know, and where, like you said, maybe a decade ago or 15 years ago, it'd be like, well, you've been in the game quite a long time. I'll take it as red. Now it's like, actually, I'll challenge you and I'll ask you why. Yes. Digital native, I think, is a is a good phrase. Wow. The next generation. All the terms you have. Yeah. Well, I read too much Gartner, obviously. But uh this, the next generation that's coming through, they're digital natives. They're, they've grown up in a digital world. It's just what they're used to. I, think. And I suppose also it's, like you said, the digital dexterity and how it's how quickly they can absorb the information and actually put it into practice. They don't have to go on a three-year course anymore. It could be mm. a six-week course. It could be <coughs> an hour-long webinar. It could be a YouTube clip to figure out how to fix something and then they're straight in and they're, they're at the tools and they're fixing it. I would argue that we're probably... There is certain people out there that, that can do both, like a bit of a holy grail to have someone that's got 15, 20, 30 years experience and also keeps up with mm-hmm. the times. So, yeah. Is that you? Not necessarily me. I was thinking more, <laughs> I was thinking more some of the consultants that we've got that are, yeah, they've got the great business acumen. Mm-hmm. They can talk the game. They can obviously, um, they've got the experience, but then, yeah, by the time reading, they are up, up, up to speed as well and they can, they know all the, the, uh, the right words to say but then they can back it up with that experience as mm. well so i think um because we've experienced the flip side as well so you can get someone that's i suppose fresh out of university or they've done a course but then they don't have the real world experience but if you marry the two together and you have a team that's that's got a bit of a blend of both then then i find that the youngsters are, are obviously absorbing that information very quickly and then putting it the key is obviously with any information is to take it in then put it into practice mm. um, and then yeah it, it cements it and obviously then it becomes real it's a great point actually great point because experience is is critical isn't it and it really you, you know people that have been there 15 years will know a lot about the business the industry um, the stuff that's specific to them but it's more it is about that dexterity it's about yeah. can people keep up with what's happening in terms of technology as well y- yeah actually the, the, while Neil was you know talking I, I'm thinking you know, we were talking about in, in our last pod around, um, you know, what's happening in 30 years time. Um, and I'll just go back to, you know, what's what my son, you know, in, in one minute, he's well, he's got his PC on, he's got his phone and he's got his iPad all at the same time consuming different things mm. and he's flicking around. And you were saying about digital native. I'm mm. thinking, well, that's a 
term I've not really come across, but actually he's 11 and mm. he, it, that's that's his life. And, you know, while he's luckily still likes, you know, hardback books and things like that, actually he's consuming three different things nigh on at the same time, you know, social media, a game and the news or, or whatever needs to get out a bit more, I appreciate. All right. but And again, it doesn't even necessarily, I mean, my brother's six years younger than me, so he's, 33, 34, and he, and he, and I remember coming back from traveling and, and he, he used to have MSN on, he used to have his PlayStation going, and he had Football Manager going, and he, and he had his phone. I'm thinking, what's going on? But you're right. And mm. and then again, he's still the same now. Just the way that they can, and and you say multitasking isn't isn't great for the brain, but they can hone in on a specific thing. Like you say, it could be a game or whatever, but then they're talking to someone on the headset yeah. and then they've got comments or whatever and they're doing a commentary and then they're recording themselves on a live stream and you're like, what the hell? But that's, you're right, that they've grown up with technology more or less around. I mean, my, my son can barely string a sentence together, but he's there on his iPad, on <laughs> YouTube kids and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. to, and, yeah. and that, and again, Apple's obviously got a lot to play for the, the whole swiping and, so that's a it's a muscle memory now. He knows how to swipe and pinch and zoom mm. and all that type of stuff. That intuitive way of using technology. Whereas if you just give a phone to a I don't know eighty ninety year old that never never touched it before, they're a bit like, what the hell do I do with this mm. type thing? So it's but you're right. I think it's it's going to benefit businesses. I think um, the ones that don't, it's a bit a whole dinosaur effect that they'll soon go extinct. Mm. They'll soon business will. You can't be in business and be successful without adopting certain things. Otherwise, yeah, it just I mean, we, the real world. We see it, don't we, when we're delivering projects. hundred oh, percent. Yeah. We, you know, there are challenges sometimes when users struggle to adapt to new technology. And that, yeah, I think the whole team management piece is is, is a, a big thing, to be honest. Yeah, and and especially when we're going from a very paper yeah. traditional process to a very digital process, sometimes that gap. Can be, can and it is a skill set to manage that process, that transition between one and the other. Because you're right, there'll be the younger generation that will think, "Thank God, this is brilliant," and then others are a bit like, "Well, oh, hang on, I don't know what to do, and I'm scared of pressing this button because it might disappear." And then what? Um, but you're right, it's it's uh, we do experience it day to day. I think it also links in for me another theme I'm picking up, kind of related around digital skills in general. I think there's the demand. If you go and speak to businesses, the demand for digital skills is just going up, up, and up, and the marketplace is it's just red up. And it's very difficult to find that talent. I'll be intrigued if we speak yeah. to the educational establishments whether they're actually getting the the influx of uh, people subscribing to courses that ultimately, because as employers we should be communicating that this is the skills gap. Hopefully, we can start plugging mm. it. Or again, like we said. Do they necessarily need to go on a three-year college degree? Can they do a, a specific, I don't know, business intelligence program block of work? You can do loads of stuff online. They could quite easily, there'll be loads of digital um, programs. I think one of my friends did um, some on the IBM sort of uh, site, and it was just free, but ultimately mm. it came out with a bit of a qualification on on um, data integration pieces. And and it's a skill set at the end of the day that, that's, okay, yes, it was it was a, I think it was a six-week course or something like that, but you can keep layering them on top of each other and ultimately build up a bit mm. of a bank that ultimately becomes valuable in a in a particular that, that's area. A, that's a challenge in itself. We we know uh, you know technology moves fast. You need to keep. We've, we just talked about the fact you need to keep up to date with technology, but everybody's really busy. You know, we're really busy. We've got to 
load of projects we need to deliver. How do you create the capacity to allow yeah. Yeah, the yeah. team to actually you know, keep up to date with learning and tell and me, then, how do we do that? It's a great question. And, and I suppose that there's, there's two things for me, because you can go a bit old school and say, well, hang on, you've got evenings and weekends. Mm. But, and, and, and we've done it recently. We did, a, we did a, an advanced sort of sales uh, solution selling sort of coursework. But again, old school, are we going to do that in, in our nine to five where that's prime selling time or should we do it on an, on an evening and a weekend? I did it on an evening and weekend. But yeah, the younger generation now, do they expect to do it in, in, in between the nine to five? I don't know. Is it a bit of a blend of both? Do we need, do we need to sort of give and take? Um, I think we we'll probably do. I think there needs to be sort of, yes, okay, we can allow you to come in, I don't know, half an hour, spend the first hour of the day upskilling. And then, yeah, we expect you to at least read some trade associated type stuff on a night or do a particular course. And, and a lot of it is delivered in bite-sized chunks now, the half an hour, they're an hour yeah. long. So again, it's not a like an open university, five-year type um, length program. A lot of them are quite sort of, um, Yes, quite size chunks. I'm, I'm yeah. going to show. I'm going to show my age now. Go on. <clears throat> Love doing that. Um, but uh, so picking up on your point, I, I think. Well, picking up both your points, actually, I, I, I think it's a challenge for people in technology to stay up to date and e even sometimes get ahead of the curve. I think it's a challenge for employers to mm. make sure that their staff are up to date, and because ultimately. In what we do, we, we have customers that are relying on us to go to them and say, best practice is this. Well, how can you offer that advice if, if you haven't got the time to get to that point? Mm. Um, and I think for me, it, it's kind of like, you know, we need to rely and push back on our on our vendors to, to help us to be able to enable us to do that. Um, and I think that really... Um, uh, where I was coming and showing my age so far in that statement, I haven't. But where I'm going to show my age is, do you know what? That, that, that everyone's, you know, under an element of pressure, you know, in what they do or what they have to do. And in we go back 20 years, you're not necessarily in front of a screen all day. But what we're, what you are suggesting, and, I, and I, I get it, is that, you know, for seven and a half, eight hours a day, you're in front and you're delivering something in, in our business's case. And then you're kind of saying, and actually, when you get home, once you've, you know, put some fuel inside you, actually keep looking at a, a screen close up and there's got, you know, this is the age bit. That That's the bit. It's like sometimes, you just, do you know what? You just want to be able to sit back and, you know, watch Liverpool beat Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> Thought I'd get that in Love Steve. that one. Love next, that little thing. Next, you, next you're right, I do find there's certain times where on a night I don't want to stare at stare at No, you don't. You're, I promise you're, you. I you're promise the worst. <laughs> no, I'm not having I promise that. You, I you promise talk you. to me at about half ten at night and you're yeah. like, I've just read this, look at this, yeah. and I'm thinking, I'm watching the football, just watch the football. <laughs> yeah. And that is, yeah, that, that you're don't, right. Don't paint yourself to be this, this saint. <laughs> No, but I probably do do myself a disservice because there's times where my eyes, I think I probably need glasses or something at some point where I'm thinking, yeah, I need to stop looking at a screen. But then the irony is I go downstairs and watch the TV and I'm thinking, I'm still looking at a bloody screen. So yeah, yeah I might go for a walk or do something because yeah, yeah. it's, uh, you're right. And, and I've, I have found, I mean, I've signed up to courses to do certain things on a night and and you're right, even when they are <laughs> half an hour or, or sort of an hour long, I think to myself, do I really want to be sort of 
I suppose con it's the concentration piece mm. for me. If you've just been at it all day for eight to ten hours or whatever, see what I did there. <laughs> 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 I was thinking more five to six for you. <laughs> Three to four, yeah. But uh, when you're yeah, going home on a date and then yeah, reading, watching or reading and and actually concentrating on the content. The irony is, but you're right. I've started watching loads more like YouTube, and and there might be a half an hour, half TikTok. an hour. You inundate me with TikTok yeah. all my days. <laughs> but but the again, I get my content from different sources. But yeah, the uh, I do it for educational purposes. But but they do entertain me as well. <laughs> so the, there's a bit of like yeah. So there's a bit of a balance. But you're right in terms of the the actual going back on topic, shall we? <laughs> um, so. But I think I'm just looking for help. You know, how do, how do we do it? How do we do it? I think ultimately you've got to build slack into your system, haven't you? You've got to you've got to allow that investment in learning and R and D and innovation, whatever you want to call it. You've got to build some slack into the system to accommodate that. And you've got to do it in bite-sized chunks and in you know, we've started doing stuff like lunch and learn to try and make that. Yeah, quite a lot of possible. industries, is, there's that continued professional development thing. Like when I was in the fitness game, you had to hit certain points. And I think um, legal and also um, like accountancy, they've got to do that as well. And I think it, it's good because it's that sort of mindset forever learning, like always mm. learning something new and not you can't. And especially the industry you're in, it just moves so quickly. Have you, Go on, sorry. Have you guys come across hackathons? Yeah. Yeah. Also, haven't. No. <laughs> I'm, I, I was I just about to say earlier. I, I, I'm the. Uh, I, I make us an isosceles. No, not an isosceles. <laughs> uh, whatever a triangle, triangle. Not certainly not an equilateral uh, triangle. I'm, no, I haven't heard that. What is that? So, so um, kind of going back to the small cross-functional teams. Okay. The idea that you get teams together and you give them a short period of time to come up with something creative and innovative, with often with technology. Um, I know Spotify do it quite successfully. The first time I saw that was on the on the film, the social network about okay. Facebook, where again at the early doors of Facebook, you had a hackathon and it was like in the college dorm and they were getting drunk and you put like all these like developers, they had a, something yeah. to write, but again he was putting them under loads of pressure and <laughs> just so went you, from there. But you get beers, you get pizza, there. you get. Yeah. Uh, you still why have you for, done that here? Well, well, it's, it's in the plan. It's in the plan. But yeah, we could yeah, get a, we could get a client in and say right. Talk to us about a problem, and we're going to give the team two days, and they're just going to go at it and just try and create something to try and solve your problem. It might be a very early iteration, but I love that idea. That's yeah. brilliant. So that that's that's something that that we're looking at, and something that a lot of businesses do to kind of aid that innovation in R and D as well. We like that. I think it works really well for the, for the BI stuff that we've done, especially with data. You just there's loads of data. Find some insights yeah. in that. And it's kind of like, here's some nuggets. We found this, this, and this. Did you realize that here's a massive hole that you've lost in, in terms of like a risk? And here's a huge opportunity. We found these trends. That That's where I think the hackathons really work quite well. Um, but you're right. From a process perspective, I think, because um, linking it back to some of the stuff that we're doing around around automating process, the whole process mining stuff now that that's around and, and able. So if you could put... I don't know, systems in place where we can actually map out and quantify bottlenecks. Once we've zoned in on a particular bottleneck, then we can figure out, okay, how do we how do we streamline this and quantifiably say what is this value to the business? How is it gonna impact? And that then could 
yeah, start a, a project because ultimately, if it's viable and it can be done, <laughs> there we go. And there's Just budget, and solve it, and off we go. Yeah. So. This is Matt. Matt is a finance director, and this is Matt's team. Day after day, they trudge through endless stacks of paperwork like mindless zombies. But luckily for Matt and his team, things are about to get a lot better. Since Spectro has digitized their documents, there's no need for physical copies and duplicates to clutter up the office. And with a fleet of Spectrobots to take care of the mundane, Matt's team have changed the game. Don't waste the potential they've got. Get them a robot with Spectrum. Tomorrow's workplace today. Okay, so that was point number two. Point number three, uh, extreme work choices will blur boundaries, businesses and buddies. Too many bees in there. Uh, so we're, we're talking about networks, ecosystems of people often in different countries. I guess it's, yeah, it's broadening the horizons of who you're working with rather than just the people sat in your office yeah. going more kind of globalized. We're seeing that. Are you seeing that? Just kind of touching on what we got into in the last pod around metaverse. Yeah. But that, so, um, the, what am I saying? It would be real-time translation. So you could be speaking to somebody in Bulgaria, but you'd have been a real-time translation between them. And you could use this kind of idea of rating, giving people a rating score after the, after you've used them. So it's like the gig economy. You could use a developer in Bulgaria for two weeks, give them a rating score, and then that builds an ecosystem of different people that you can kind of tap into as and when you need to. I've seen, I've seen it from two points there. And so one is, um, yeah, because we're obviously in software, there's there's a lot of resource in the Far East, like India and, and Philippines and that type of thing. Um, so we have got uh, suppliers and, and, and networks, um, and it's worked all right. Again, time time zones been okay, but I've not really had too much of an issue. Okay, probably it's been on them to maybe do an early start or a late night type thing to coincide with our working day. But in terms of doing calls and and Teams or Zoom calls, it's been it's been not too bad. I mean, I did that that um, that webinar with the with the guy from UiPath that was in Singapore. I've mm. done it before, where obviously yeah. our marketing resource John went off to Thailand and we were jumping on Teams calls and things like that. And we've got people in yeah, like I said, in the Philippines that we work with, the NetSuite sort of partners. Um, I've done others, especially in India. Um, so yeah, as long as the time zone works, I think it's it's okay. It'll be interesting from a, so we have a customer that, that does exactly that, the translation piece. Mm. And um, yeah, I think as technology gets better with that, then um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we, we've got some multinational companies that we look after where their head offices are in Paris and things like that. And they've talked to me about how painful it is when they go to visit head office and they've got their headphones in and they're trying yeah. to keep up with what's going on. And yeah, yeah stuff like that is still, um, I suppose we're we're a little bit, um, what was it? What was the word? I don't want to say naive, but we're, we're quite privileged that a lot of the world speaks English. So yeah, I think yeah, in, in that yeah. regard, we're, we're we're quite good. But um, but the, the know, idea of working with a global network of people, what do we think? 
I like it. I've had experience of it recently, and it, I think it, it, technology is allowing us to bring the globe. Mm. You know, like we were saying in the last pod, but the, the globe literally, like we could be sitting on one desk in, you know, in the UK, in East Yorkshire, and the, the next person could be in Sydney, could be wh- wherever, yeah. and actually you're working on the same project. And I think you were sort of intimating that actually you can, through the the sort of rating system, you can find the, you know, for want of a better description, uh, you know, go back to analog, you know, the right jigsaw piece f- mm. for that particular puzzle yeah um and you know I, recently it's you know I've, I've worked on something with that and it, it worked you know unbelievably well i think it, unbelievably you can well. play it to your advantages like you say so with certain software companies um depending on the time of day you can have that sort of 24 hour support service as well so if they've got offices yeah. in sydney and that's everything they can have the round the clock um sort of support service 24 7 so again when we're closed, because again, there'll be certain food manufacturers or whoever that are a 24 seven operation that, that might need that out of hours service. But then also from a delivery of a program, uh, a project, for example, we've got a customer that's in sort of branding and, and graphic design and they've got that Chase the Sun sort of yeah. teams in different countries that yeah. they pick it up and drop it and, and it is, and, it, and they get the project done in a sh- shot of time that's ultra uh, agile that that yeah, must be yeah. about 400 scrums just to deliver the one <laughs> yeah. get it done in a few minutes neil's just waiting for us to set up the florida office yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. he's he, he did put his hand up to say he's going yeah, it florida oh are you gonna go to sydney first right i'll, I'll, I'll have homes in them all <laughs> that's where i'm off i think going back to that skills piece i switched on earlier in terms of the the, tal- the the amount of talent or the lack of available talent if we like in the uk at the minute it's I think it's just going to push people to look globally. And it will also help from an economic perspective as well. You know, um, when, you know, in all walks of life, any project, be it, you know, building a skyscraper or delivering a software project or whatever, there's always cost considerations. And if you can actually confidently deliver something and, you know, let's say, you know, you're using resource around the world different, yeah, and, different and it makes yeah. you competitive but the quality's there and whatever then you, you'd kind of be bonkers not to do it I, I would suggest and and like you said you know um and I've, i was talking to a client just a couple of hours ago and completely different thing don't do anything to do with software apart from use ours but they were saying that trying to source staff you know, I know we're having that experience, Steve. But trying trying to source, you know, uh, you know, it, it was technicians, um, and and when they find someone that they want to have a conversation with, it's like actually, I I want X to walk through the door, and it's like, wow, that's that's not necessarily what you know what's within the you know it's not like the Premier League. So, um, I, you know, in their world, that doesn't necessarily you know they need bodies on you know in mm. the on. UK soil, but mm. from our side of things and other businesses being able to, you know, what's the term? Is it offshore it or yeah. nearshore it or whatever? That it's, I it, think that's going to be beneficial. It's interesting. I remember when we moved to this office, Bridgehead, and, and like we were involved with them, um, sort of marketing Humber and, and the whole sort of this area. And, and you're right, some of the big players like Smith and Nephew and, and the others and Reckitt Bankies are attracting talent to Hull and up north. Mm. It, it was a big thing. Now, Maybe they're 
don't have to as much yeah. geographically people aren't having necessarily to relocate it could be that they can work remotely work digitally and i think definitely in the last two years the world's just had to had to adapt that way so it's definitely changed some people's opinions on that so it'll be interesting to see i i think that's the thing for me you know um it is the fact that why you'd never have wished what's happened in the last two years actually it has forced and and sort of um pushed the fact that you know what through not by choice but by necessity we had to do it like this and it, it's proven that actually mm. you know what it, it's worked and you know, we it's have forced that paradigm shift. It's forced people to look at it from a different perspective because there's people that I've spoken to previously that were uh, regional salesmen that have worked at home. So I've spoke to a couple of our partners that we've got, and and yeah, they're, they're they've been working from home for 20 years or 15 years or whatever, and they're used to going on the road to see customers, and it didn't really make a difference then. But you're right, the more traditional roles that are yeah historically in the office or on the shop floor type thing that, yeah, they've, they've, they've got that flexibility. And I was quite surprised up until last week, I was having a, a conversation and, and um, people are still working from home in, in certain functions. And, and for them, it was actually, they ran out of space <laughs> they didn't, and, and they'd closed certain offices. So it was a bit like, well, oh, okay. So that they'd, they'd more or less made that definitive decision. Well, there isn't any space for you to come back to, so you're yeah. gonna have to Continue yeah, to yeah, work from yeah, home. Yeah. And, and if they're working like, okay. 30 miles down the road, then they could be working 3,000 miles down the road, couldn't well, they? Well, when you think about it and what we were saying and, and what you were saying there, Neil, is, is as much as you look at some of our vendors, they're not based in London, they're not based in Manchester or Leeds or yeah, yeah. Birmingham, they're based on Virginia, mainland Europe. Europe but, yeah, you know, they're, yeah. they're in you know Germany, they're in you know yeah. um, Barcelona, they're wherever. Mm. And actually, it hasn't impacted us, mm. yeah. you know. All right, we'll we'll need to rattle through a bit. Go so on. you'll have to stop talking. Can, can, can uh, we? And you will as well. It'll just be me for the next half. Really, twenty minutes. Right, let's go. No, no. <laughs> uh, actually, so this is this is in our sweet spot. So smart machines will be our co-workers. Is the next one? The robots are coming. The robots are coming. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, and that that's essentially what it says that machines, and in the loosest sense of the word, will be working alongside humans to help them deliver their work. It's a term that I hear loads in manufacturing. This co-bots co and robots and digital twins. Sorry, co-bots. Co-bots, which is what he's talking about there, having something that assists the human. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's happening. Logistics, manufacturing. Um, so, again, where a massive production line once had two, 300 people, you've got, I don't know, five or six robots, and then you've got one operator. So you've got five people instead of 200 type mm -hmm. thing. And, and yeah. It's all about efficiency and, and getting things out the door, but I think it'll. It's more yeah, than that. It's more than sorry. I'm gone. I'm, I'm interrupted. I'm good at that. Yeah. It, it's more about. It, it's absolutely about efficiency, but it's also about accuracy. Yes, I was going to say quality. Oh, yeah. Sorry, the, sure the, sharp, the, the, No, it, it, yes, it's another one, isn't it? But the what what we've always seen and what I've seen for the last ten years is these companies have invested millions and millions on the shop floor to get their product out the door faster. But then their back office systems mm. are just archaic, still mm. paper everywhere, still, which is where we come in in terms of, yeah, can we give them a, because ultimately that's kind of what we're doing. We're giving them a robot to assist in, in, a, in a mundane paper process, um, whether that be using the RPA sort of assisted box where it's 
Val go and it just runs a routine to, to do something. Um, or whether it's a physical robot that's moving. Mm. Um, you see it in like logistics so with the warehousing, don't you, with Amazon, we've got little robots flying around moving pallets and, and stacking things on, on shelves and whatnot, which is phenomenal to see. But um, got, I think that's definitely going to increase. Kind of talk about everybody having their own virtual assistant, their own machine yeah. that's going to we'll work alongside them and just take away 50, 60, 70% of the work that you you can give away to a machine. And it's been, sorry, John, it's, it's been growing, hasn't it? We've, we've, we've had the last 10 years with like Siri in our pockets and mm, things like yeah. that, where we're, at home you talk about this, um, this uh, generation that have grown up. My son just shouts to Alexa and tells her to play some music and stuff mm. like that. So they're used to working with robots already. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're growing up with assistants. Turn the lights on, yeah, play yeah. the music. Yeah. What's, so it won't be any different for them. And it'll be interesting to see how they get on at school and, and university because I'd be asking them for the. Do you know what I mean, Alexa, tell me the answer to this? And well, <laughs> but again, like, why memorize it when you can ask? Mm. I, I don't know. I've, I've read both sides of the story because again, your brain's a muscle, so if you don't use it, you lose it. Scenario: so memory, retaining information, if it's relative and mm -hmm. key, not pub quizzes like Rob. But <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, but no, I think it's it's that one's key. I think it's going to accelerate. I do think the idea, I think it'll probably happen quicker than 10 years. I think it probably happen in the next five years to the extent of, again, the winners will be the ones that adopt it faster. Mm. Um, and and then, and then, yeah, the rest will just have to catch up. I think there's also uh, an element of, we've touched on it a couple of times already, is, is the uh, sourcing expertise. Yep. If you can potentially upskill someone that obviously has the capability, but upskill someone that's already has an, a background and a knowledge of your business, and you can take away the bit that's stopping them having that freedom to do it mm. by introducing you know, automation or, or bots or, or whatever, then actually that's going to be a partial, if not quite a large solution to the shortage in skill sets and, and things like that for yeah, me. No, I agree. I, I think that's um, the key one that I see again that probably it's the one that I get quite frustrated with. But when it's done well, it's really good. Is like the customer care side of things. So if you've got I don't know a package or if you've got something delivered and it's broken or you've got to return something or or even something I don't know there might be something wrong at the bank or whatever. So you, you log a thing now and it's a chatbot and it and it tries to field your your, your questions. And then it tries to answer your questions for you. And then if need be, it'll push you off to mm. a particular um, advisor to the right department. Now, when that works well, yeah, it's amazing. Unbelievable. When, it, when it's not, <laughs> it's the most so frustrating. frustrating thing yeah. in the world. Oh. Yeah. And I think that's going to have to get a lot better. Obviously, we know that the main companies that, that do it really well, I mean, the, the Monzo banks are, are flying because of it. It's really good. Amazon's flying because they've got it nailed. But the other legacy companies are just, yeah, following by the way, sad. but they're going to have to invest even more to catch up. And and that's where a good example of a bot assisting the human, because if they can field it to a point yeah. and, mm. and they've got the information, so by the time I speak to someone, I know why, I know who it is, and I can help them in a quicker because ultimately everyone we, wins everybody wins we, everyone we wins. want we don't want to be sat on the phone for 20, 30 minutes in a bloody queue on hold and, and thinking, bloody hell, I'm, I've got more stuff to do than that, but then we want our, our pain solving. I mean, mm. 
the classic one that I, I had uh, the other day. So someone, I think it was either the wife or, or the cleaner broke our shark vacuum cleaner. The cleaner. The cleaner, yeah. Oh, the the cleaner. cleaner, yeah. I didn't want to drop that in there, but I did anyway. So. <laughs> you enjoy anyway. hard not to. So, no, I didn't. No, I, didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to blame the wife. What's the gardener doing? Yeah. Anyway. But I, I rang them on, I think, like warranty, for example. So I read it, got a five-year warranty. I'm thinking, sorry, I'll ring them. It was like half past five on a Sunday evening. I explained the problem. They said, oh, it'll be with you within three days. Literally, less than 12 hours later, by 10 o'clock the next morning, DPD had dropped off a new, brand new part. And I'm thinking, that's amazing service. Like, the fact that you're open on a Sunday and the mm. fact that you delivered it within, yeah, six, seven hours. Or you had to wait a week for the engineer to come <laughs> fit in. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was plug and play. I was like, oh, what do you do with this? To <laughs> <laughs> get the butler to do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, we'll move on. Go so, on. next one. We will we will work for purpose and passion, not just for money. Now I know so, Neil will say no to that, but right, go on. What do we think? No, I, so agree. Pe- I, I 100% agree with that. People changing what, why they go to work. The, the interesting thing there is is the whole great re- resignation thing because people are sort of thinking, well, yeah, what's mm. the point? I'd rather work closer to home. I don't need to commute anymore. I remember one. There was a story once when. Again, I went traveling. I was in New Zealand and the guy leading the kayak expedition. So we went kayaking mm. in Milford Sounds to the dolphins. And he was a multimillionaire, lost it all, but then thought, sod it, there's more to life. He got that stressed out, like broken marriage, didn't see his kids, all that type of thing, typical sort of. And then he thought, well, hang on, this is my office. And he was kayaking in this stunning location, taking people on kayak trips. There will be people like that that have mm. been in the rat race in London, whatever, commuting, thinking, yeah, there's more to life. Mm. I 100% agree with that. Now, they're, they're going to, again, they'll, they'll have to downsize in terms of their aspirations. If, if they've got a million quid house and they can't afford the mortgage, then they're going to have to sell it or whatever mm. But to do that type of lifestyle. But I do believe that that will be uh, a bigger motivation. Um, I think, yeah, sorry, jumping in. I think that's going to be a bigger motivation slash um, trend with with the next generation. Because, mm. you know, not wishing to bring it down, but the next five, ten years are going to be torrid yeah. generally. So while I'd, I'd love the thing, you know, yeah, and, and to be fair, we can all probably say we work with purpose and passion and but still want the, the reward. Yeah. Um, I think... The next five, ten years, you know, from a, an economic perspective, are going to be pretty tough. So you, you still need to dig in and, and make sure you're being, you know, you, you're getting rewarded and trying to get as much passion out of it as, as you can. But I think once everything starts settling down, maybe a decade is too long. But once things start settling down, which is, I go back to the next generation, our children, yep. they may have, you know, it's going to be so different, isn't it? But ultimately, it comes it goes back to again what we've been talking about. Like um, the the robots and cobots are going to free people up from yep. doing the mundane stuff. Yep. So instead of sat there thinking, "Why am I doing this job? It's just for the money." If they could combine two, they could do a job that gives them perhaps some meaning, rewards them financially to the level of value that they're creating, mm. and they're having the mundane stuff taken care of by a bot of some sort, then everybody's win-win. The mental health of that individual, that they're, they're living a more rewarding life, the fillers are they're giving more to, to value to the, the community that, and the wider 
sort of space that, and everybody's happy. That's, that's the holy grail, I guess. It is, and actually, it's a, it's a really interesting point you make there because <clears throat> the more directors that I'm talking to, FDs, ops directors, whatever, managing directors, it's starting to, for me, I don't know if you're, either of you are seeing it, seep in that that's actually quite important is the the employee's not enjoyment as in you know let's have a let's have a laugh but actually satisfaction is probably the right word in their role i want them to have more satisfaction in what they're doing so when we talk about bots yep. cobots and mundane tasks it's actually do you know what i don't really want them doing it because i look out my, my office window and they look really miserable i don't want that i want them to enjoy coming in yeah and i think I think it's also the talent thing again, isn't it, that we've, that we've touched on. It's not people don't just want a big paycheck. Maybe they do want that, but they also want to enjoy work. They want to have a good work-life balance. And as an employer, if you want to keep hold of your staff, you need to be able to offer that full package. And on that, Steve, you know, um, I remember talking to uh, well, a friend and, and they're, they're also, they are a client of ours, and he was saying, so he's a, a finance director, he was, he was actually saying that, that I've got... Um, you know, uh, I've got a, a grad out of out of university, qualified in accountancy, and at the moment they're processing and purchase invoices. And he mm. went, that isn't probably what they did accountancy for. Mm. That isn't what I want them to do. But at the moment, I need them to do it because that's where we're at. And actually, <coughs> I keep referring back to our, our kids, but they're not going to have the patience to walk in and go, do you know what, I'm prepared, you know, where we, you know, apprentices, apprenticeships or what, whatever it was, it's kind of like, all right, that's part of it. In 10, 5, 10, 15 years' time, it's like I, I've qualified in this, I, I've, I've got a lot of knowledge in this, I want to crack on now. I just mm. want to do what I started and it goes back to, you know, the, the skill sets and things like that. I think in time we, we'll just we'll have people and, and that will just want to get on with it and not necessarily, and, and let's be fair, they won't have the need to because yeah, yeah, we, we have the solutions, yeah. they're there. Yeah, exactly. Let, let me, there's a good segue into the last point actually. So um, the, the sixth point on the list is work-life challenges will reveal a dark side. And if I summarise it, it's basically, I think because of how accessible work is, you know, we can all look at our mobiles at nine, ten o'clock at night. They kind of talk about the fact that people will be working round the clock, or there's a risk that they'll be working round the clock, and that they they fizzle out, and and that they even talk about the fact that maybe actually technology will be used to counter that. So using technology to actually sense when people are working too much, using you know biorhythms and nutritional requirements and that sort of thing, and then almost flag to the employer and the employee that they need to stop, slow down, change working patterns. I think that works. Are we both. seeing that? I think, yes, it works both ways. I think, um, and, and I think it, it comes down to the individual and depends on how they're wired because you, you'll get some people that are, yeah, just on it all the time, that, that quit, that they're mildly ADHD, sort of just hyperactive and just want to channel all the energy into work and just nonstop seven days a week. And yeah, to a certain degree, you need those type of Elon Musk type characters that just mm. don't stop and run multiple businesses. But then if you're looking at it from an employee perspective, you'll have the ones that will try and, yeah, toss it off a little bit and just kind of, yeah, try and kick back and do the minimum. And and you'll, you'll you're right there with the health tech side of things because you've got the, the mental health thing that people talk about. Um, 
you talked about like yeah trying to be rewarding and on purpose and, and passionate about stuff so hopefully if you've got if you're in the right job and you're passionate about what you do and you're actually and you're good at what you do and you're trying to add value then you should or the the, the tech will allow people to sort of balance that out there is a temptation if 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 the senior leaders are on at people that sort of say we have to hit this target we've got to do this we've got to do the other if you're still cranking and that screw yeah the will brick ultimately the, unless you get that if you if you're in a very fast-paced scaling company that's very high pressure and then unless you have the right systems and automation in place to enable that skill yeah mm -hmm. humans will suffer otherwise you're going um, to a halt. definitely i've seen some countries have banned things like email after a certain time and is that really yeah, yeah i'm not sure can you check that for me there's quite a few like in terms of like rubbish. japan or sweden and things <laughs> like that yeah. where yeah because it goes back people to that not four. allowed to email after seven o'clock at night and that yeah it goes back to that sort of four day work week and things like that yeah. trying to get that balance and, and yeah how do we make sure that, that we've got that duty of care that the individual's rested enough to go again and, and mm. be 100 focused and they talk about that deep work making sure that they're focused on a mm. on a block of time where it'd be two hours four hours and and they get the actual work done or are they just it's that quantity versus quality sort of thing are they at work for 10 hours but what's the <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. I, th I think that's the thing because actually I was off last week and for half the week I was in a place where there was no Wi-Fi. The cottage I was staying at had no Wi-Fi and we had no mobile signal. Oh, wow. And I promise you, Old school. I, I was lost. Yeah, okay, yeah. In a good way I or would, a bad way? Well, lost that, that's, a, that's a good question because I, I would say both mm. in, a, in a good way because actually I, I had to shut down and mm. I had to just release you know the fact that i couldn't stay in touch but in a bad way because there was a few things going on that i wanted to mm. still be you know a, you know kept abreast of yeah. and i couldn't and it goes back this actual this one could actually be a whole pod for me mm. because you look at technology and so a lot of the things you were saying neil is, is very much actually by introducing some of the things that you know we do but technology lots of technologies are able to do i think down the line it Potentially, it has the the opportunity for people to dip in and dip out. I use that term quite loosely, but it's like quantity over uh, sorry, quality over quantity. I always knew I was going to get that. Yeah. But 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 being able to go, do you know what? I, I can dip in. Like I, I have to consciously like switch off if it, because I am forever checking phones, mm. emails, notifications. Right. Twenty by cell, yeah. Yeah, literally. Um, because I've got bloody two phones out. I'm, I'm on it all the time. But the the like when I went away last week for my wife's birthday, I, I was having to stop myself, and I didn't. Ultimately, I'm I'm still answering emails yeah. and I'm still doing calls. And um, oh, what you got there? But <laughs> you've put me off my shoulder of thought there. You see that squirrel? <laughs> what? <laughs> but um, but ultimately, yeah the. In terms of switching off and being present, I'd say the one, one, oh, the one that hit me big. was I took my daughter that's six to gymnastics and there's a viewing gallery and she's obviously doing mm. a gymnastics and she called me out and she said, Daddy, you're always on your phone. Mm. I was like, yeah, okay. And then to the point where she even went, well, I want mommy to take me this week because you're always on your phone and you're never watching me. I'm thinking, 
it just hit me. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> all right, I'll have to leave the phone in the car type thing and actually be present mm. and be a, a, a bit more, yeah, parenting. <laughs> What's that about? But, but, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. We've all been there. Haven't we? Yeah, and, and it is about actually potentially down the line having, ironically, technology to stop you using technology to, to actually go, do you know what, for your health or for the good of your family unit, actually you you can't have access for two hours or whatever. And, and actually you, once I got over the You can do fact, that with the kids, get with the Amazon thing. You can turn it off and send screen times only for that yeah. amount. I'm going to have to do it for myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's difficult to have that conversation with the kids. I, I know in five, ten years' time, my kids are going to be on the PlayStation or whatever, yeah, and yeah. I'm going to want to get them off it, and they're going to be able to say, well, you're always on Steve, yeah. you need to wake up to what's going on in the world. Yeah. It's not just going to be the PlayStation. It's going to be the PlayStation, the phone, the iPad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's going to be five yeah. different things, and you're going to have to somehow make all of them go away. We're setting a bad example. I think we need to, we need to change that. Um, under prospect, prospect's proposal, companies with 50 or more employees would be required to negotiate with staff and unions annually on a plan for managing after-hours contact though implementation would be left up to each employer. A similar law took effect in, fr blimey, in France in 2017. It's a much global fanfare. We, I don't know where we all were. Yeah. Um, mm. Italy and Spain followed suit. Wow. Yes, yeah, I thought I'd read about it in live and, Yeah, the siesta's live and kicking and French don't like to work anyway, do they? But, uh. <laughs> the pandemic has only accelerated this interest in a right to disconnect. In February, the European Parliament called for it to be recognised as fundamental across the EU. That's why we came out of it, is it? Mm. Pointing to the toll of an always-on culture on work-life balance. Slovakia introduced a law this year, it, it, this year. In April, Ireland introduced a code of practice requiring not only proactive engagement on the issue, but reviews, training and equity checks. In Canada, the government is exploring a similar policy. Dutch politicians are waiting to debate the subject. So we'll end on a quick yes or no. If should we in the UK introduce a policy of no work emails after seven o'clock at night? Neil first. Yes. One, one word. Yes. <laughs> wow. Because I'm going to say no, and I would have thought we would have both said the opposite. Interesting. Well, what, we did. You, what about you? <laughs> I don't need to answer. I'm the host. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. I'm with you. I think I've just convinced myself in the last ten minutes from having this conversation. Thing is, you don't get go. you don't get people like me emailing you yeah. late at night and having to bombard you or people mm. pestering you to sign off their think, uh, holiday. Well, that's the thing, isn't that. it? If it was a one-liner, <laughs> which we're not either of us are very good at, if mm. it's a one-liner, you probably wouldn't mind. But when it's war and mm. peace, you exactly. probably imagine like, if you're you managing, wait a, managing a team of people, your inbox would be yeah, they're always mm. at you. Mainly from you. Yeah, mainly me. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll leave it there. Like it. Delete. Pop time. Go on then. Feel fine. I'm going to check it.